It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. It's not hard to figure out who won the weekend in the 2022 season openers in the Big Ten. Maryland sweep at Baylor is the attention getter. And is it too early to say the Terrapins are, in fact, the team to beat in the conference this season? I'm Kyle Charters with Drew Charters on the Big Baseball Podcast. We'll discuss that and a much more. The winners, mostly, maybe a little bit of the losers. We'll talk to Greg Goff, the coach of the Purdue Boilermakers, as well as his team went down to Sugarland, Texas, and took four games from South Dakota State. Drew, the question that I was asked more than any other question about the podcast over the weekend was, did you survive the JoJo Siwa concert last week? <laughs> well, I'm here, right? So I survived. It was... uh you know, if you could picture a billion little kids screaming with glow sticks and... Uh, well, you had a glow stick to admit it. I did. You know how much that glow stick was? $15. No, come on. $15 for a glow stick. You JoJo C was making bank. Yeah. yeah, she is. You know, I, the, the, I think the, uh, my biggest takeaway from, from the concert... Um, yeah. Big take here. Big take. Bring it. Bring it. Men's bathroom at a JoJo Siwa concert... <laughs> the most peaceful place on earth. And I'm not exaggerating. That's not a joke. You look at the line to the women's bathroom and it's yeah. forever long. No line to the men's bathroom. I walked in. I'm the only person out, in there. Spread out and, and enjoy your time. Guy. Yeah. I walk out. Another guy walks in and I hear him behind me go, whoa, cool. <laughs> I just laughed. So much room for activities. Uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, so you survived and you're back today, so that is good. Yeah. All right, uh, let's dive in here. Man, Drew, Maryland was really good. Uh, you know, sweeping, as we've talked about here, four teams swept. And I think any sort of sweeps, no matter who you're playing against, are impressive, especially of the four-game variety, and, and Purdue won all four of its games. We'll discuss the Boilermakers here in just a moment. But there is, you know, a hierarchy in terms of who you are playing. I don't know how good Baylor is this year. Traditionally a good program. But to win three games in Waco at Baylor uh, and to do it the way Maryland did, I mean, it just looked like the team that was in charge. It got great pitching. It got timely hitting. That offense uh, can be really good. Nick Dean, Ryan Ramsey, Jason Savick will get these numbers. Drew 21 innings for the three starters. Now, this is the opening weekend. Sometimes... You're easing these guys in a little bit, you know, it might not be necessarily on a pitch count, but you don't want to just burn them up too early. Mm -hmm. But you talk about veteran guys who were ready to go at the start of the season, 21 innings, five runs allowed on 16 hits, 17 strikeouts and only one walk. You get that kind of pitching and do it against Baylor. Just imagine how good if those guys stay healthy, Maryland is going to be with that offense for the rest of the season. Well, the pitching rotations for a lot of teams in the Big Ten were, were a big question mark coming into this season. And I think we got some of those things answered. Again, you know, like you said, it's hard to, you know, fully answer these questions because of matchups and, and who you're playing. But, you know, Maryland comes in with uh, one of few veteran staffs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the Big Ten with Nick Dean and Jason Savakul. And, and, and they certainly, uh, you know, backed up that, that veteran status uh, yeah. this weekend with that pitching uh, performance. And that offense is good. I mean, look, there's a lot of names that you look at. When you look at a lot of lineups this weekend, you're like, okay, I know 
I know three of these guys, right? Yeah. But you look at Maryland's lineup, and, and you know a lot of these guys. A lot of the names are familiar. And the two you know, that jumped out this weekend, Matt Shaw, who we'll talk about here in a minute when we get to Big Arm and Big Bat. Uh, he was great. But the other one to me that, that you look at and say, okay, maybe there's something here again is Maxwell Costas because he was so banged up last year in and out of the lineup, and a guy who hit a billion home runs early in his career. He comes back uh, for this season, likely with the hope that he can recapture some of that magic. And he, you know, has back-to-back multi-hit games for the first time since early April. And then on Sunday, he caps off that weekend by hitting a couple of home runs. Shaw hit a couple of home runs in that game as well. So those two guys in the order. You know, Costas was down, I think he hit sixth most of the weekend in the lineup. You get that kind of production out of your number six hole hitter, that's pretty good. But nice to see him, at least this weekend, return to form, and hopefully it bodes well for him for the rest of the season. I think it's safe to say that a focal point from Coach Rob Vaughn this season was getting off to a good start, as you know we've talked about Maryland got off to such a slow oh, start that the, they were projected to be really good last year. They got off to a slow start. They ended the season well. It took a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a focal point this year, getting off to a good start, and they certainly did that. You know, you talk about that offense and just something to throw out there. 13 of Maryland's 25 hits on the weekends were for extra bases. So power through the lineup, Mm -hmm. got off to a good start. They'll head to Campbell, uh, take on the uh, Camels for uh, for a few games uh, and hope to continue the hot start. All right, let's uh, hit some of these other teams that swept Rutgers, Iowa, and Purdue. Let's start with the Scarlet Knights, a sweep of Houston Baptist, outscored Baptist 32 to eight, they did so by by hitting for average. Drew three fifty two as a team. Seven players, eight, but seven who were m- more regularly in the lineup hit better than three fifty. No homers there, which is sort of interesting. Yeah. But they scored the thirty two. I mean, you know, pretty good. We I don't know if Houston. I don't, I don't. I know nothing about Houston Baptist. I assume it's in Houston. And a Baptist school. That's a, it's they south, probably put it together. South side probably. Houston. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I, yeah, there's probably something there. I'm, I'm just not going to go with it. Um, you know, a good a good start for Rutgers, though. I mean, again, like we said, it, it's difficult to sweep teams, no matter who they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all around, Rutgers did everything well. They pitched well. They hit well. They only had one error on the weekend. The Friday night starter, Brian Fitzpatrick, who who has not started a game since March of 2019. Uh, threw a no-hitter through four. He was pulled after 58 pitches on a pitch count, but a great outing mm-hmm. as, a, as the Friday night starter for him. Seven strikeouts, just a walk for Fitzpatrick. So, uh, you know, we, we thought Rutgers is going to be decent. Yeah, It's hard to tell, you know, what this really means. But outscoring an opponent, anybody, 32-8 to eight on the weekend is good. I mean, you can't take anything away from that, but good things. Iowa beat uh, three different teams. Uh, over the weekend, Air Force, Ball State, and Bucknell. Uh, Hawkeye pitching was good. <laughs> Gave up three runs the whole darn weekend. All of them earned, and even I, even I, I don't know anything about the math. Uh, and and there's not supposed to be too much math on this show, but even I know that that's an even ERA of one, one point zero zero. The new rotation drew of Adam Mazur, Connor Schultz, and Marcus Morgan. Uh, they only went 14 innings, so, so you know, limited innings there in the opening weekend, but they only gave up four hits, so pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I think you could even stretch to say great, Kyle. Like, great. I mean, that's that's unhittable. Yeah. 
Well, you it's know, not I mean, unhittable. They, they had four. They had four. Yeah. Opponents batted 069 against the staff. The whole entire <laughs> pitching staff deserves to be nominated for big arm this week. Yeah. We could list everybody, all of them, every single yeah. one. Combine that with the team hitting 327, four home runs, outscoring their opponents 26 to 3. I mean, it's, that's a great start for Iowa. Yeah, no doubt, doubt about that. Uh, so, Purdue, I was down there in Texas, in, in Sugar Land, Texas, picked myself up a, uh, a Space Cowboys hat. There you go. Excited about that. You know, speaking of things that cost, how much do you think the old fitted AAA affiliate of the Astros ball cap cost me? Well, I'll guess high since you're like leading me into this. Well, let's say uh, $28. No. Higher. What? For a hat? Yes. <laughs> Keep going. F- 42. Yes. Really? 43 bucks. And you. Fell for that? I fell for it. Oh, my gosh. Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> I didn't even look at the price. You know, it's what are you going to do? You don't. I didn't even look hats at the price hats. tag. Hats are tw- hats. They're, they're it's going to be 20, 25 bucks. bucks. I grabbed it, put it on my head. Man, this is a sharp hat. Sounds like there was a mistake made in there. No, there you wasn't. Had a sucker written on your forehead. And she was like, I do have that. Uh, I just grabbed it. I put it on him, and I look good. Looked in the mirror. <laughs> Maybe that's why. If you're, <laughs> you're going to pay $45 for a hat, you better look good. I look good. Walked up to the uh, old register there. This was between games uh, on Purdue's double double dip on Saturday. So I was running out of time, too. I, didn't have to, like, I don't have a lot of time between games, like 35 minutes. I got a lot of stuff to do. Got to eat. Like the important things, got to eat between games. Mm-hmm. Then prepare. And then look at yourself in the mirror for the rest of the look time after the, you buy I, your hat. Yeah, it took me five minutes just admiring. <laughs> uh, so I walked up to the cashier. They're like, 43 bucks. Like, what? How, what do you do at that point? You turn around and go, well, never mind. Yeah. Yes. That's the, the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, outside of my uh, issues there in, in Sugar Land, everything else was fine. Purdue played really well, sweeping four games against South Dakota State. Uh, Purdue outscored the Jackrabbits, or Jacks, as they might be known to those more familiar with the program, 40-15. to 15. Purdue's bullpen was excellent. A lot of good young arms there for the Boilermakers. So, you know, is South Dakota State any good picked to finish fourth in the Summit League? I don't know. Do the wins have meaning? Yes, because Purdue needs victories coming off of what they did last year, I think. So I I think there is some meat there to what the Boilermakers were able to do. Now, what does it mean for the Big Ten? That's the question, I think, that that we don't know. Yeah, I think it means a lot for Purdue. Does it mean anything to the Big Ten? Does it mean anything to you and I sitting here talking about it? That's yet to be seen. But it means a lot for Purdue, which is something, because they need wins, they need confidence, they need to play well, Well, et cetera. You know, the schedule, what was it? What was it last year? Was like Nebraska, Michigan the first two weekends? It was Nebraska somebody. Nebraska, it was Nebraska, Michigan, Indiana, right? The first three weekends, the three teams that finished, you know, at the top of the, the Big Ten. And so you got off to a bad start last year. I, I, I'm not saying Purdue would have been like gangbusters, but, you know, getting off to that kind of start did not help Purdue. I think that's part of the reason the schedule is what it is this year. You want to get off to a better start, build some momentum for the Big Ten. So we'll see if that uh, does work out for the Boilermakers. Was I correct there? Yes. I, I didn't get too fast enough. Oh. I, 
What? You gotta Google faster, man. I'm not Googling. I'm looking. I I keep. I've I've got notes on the Big Ten. I've never deleted anything from 2018 <laughs> on here. It's hard to uh, filter through all that. stuff. All right, that'll be the trivia question that you'll answer later. Let's hit the other the other two that uh, were notable to us. Ohio State took three of four at the Snowbird Classic, including W's against Marshall and twice against Indiana State. They did lose to BYU on Monday. But those wins against Indiana State, we know, are quality victories. The Buckeyes scoring 39 runs in the four games over the weekend. Yeah, they had to fight through some things in that second game against Indiana State as well. They were down 8 nothing in that game, came mm-hmm. back. Uh, still down 8-4 to four in the 8th inning. They scored 5 runs to take the lead in the game, and then T.J. Brock closed it out, as he is going to do numerous times this season for the Buckeyes. Uh, Michigan State took 3-0-4 of four at UNLV, so a true road series, including the final three games, three straight games, in which MSU scored at least 10 runs, hit 333 as a team, 8 home runs. Good start for the Spartans. Sort of similar, I think, feel to Purdue, right, uh, in that Michigan State needs some victories here early to sort of show what the Spartans are, maybe and build some early season momentum. And I think on paper, this is probably the, you know, first or second most surprising thing to me on the weekend, because UNLV is projected to finish second in the Mountain West. Hmm. You know, they're, they seem to be no slouch. They've got a lot of guys returning. Uh, their offense was very good last year and, and Michigan state took three of four. So, uh, you know, I think that's a great weekend. Maybe the biggest surprise besides for uh, uh, Maryland sweeping Baylor to mm-hmm. me. All right, let's hit our awards, then we'll get to the interview with uh, Purdue coach Greg Goff. Uh, we tried to streamline this. This is like the fourth different way that we have tried to <laughs> not allow Big Bat and Big Arm to occupy two hours of our, our Mondays when we neither one of us, from a scheduling point of view, have two hours to spare on Mondays. Uh, but yet here we are. Um, so I end up doing this like at 11 p.m., which is what I did last night again. Okay, uh, big bat. Well, so the strategy we used this time made no sense. No, none. We, I don't know why we We've did this. We've been doing this for so long, and we still can't get it right on week one. All you need to do on week one <laughs> is go is look. Yes, look at the season stats. It's, I'm, I, you know, I'm sitting here all day yesterday adding and you know. Look at the box scores. Just look at the stats. <laughs> Just look it's at the week stats. one. It's week one. If we could send a message out to the great SIDs around the Big Ten who do an excellent job, help us line up coach interviews every week, if you could put together a package for us of just the weekend statistics on your website every week, we would love that. It would oh. save us so much time. So much time. That's all right. That, yeah. Uh, so what we tried to do was look individually. It didn't make any sense. Let's take a look at Big Bat. Uh, let's see. What do we got here? Uh, so I followed Purdue, obviously, over the weekend. Paul Tates was excellent. Uh, the Indiana transfer, four for 11. A couple of home runs, four runs driven in. F- excuse me, four runs scored, five runs driven in. Cam Thompson had a big – man, he, he had a – this is a huge for Purdue, I think. Came to Purdue as a quality prospect, was up and down last year, had nine ribbies a home run and a double over the weekend. Clark Elliott got off to a great start for Michigan, which won one of three over the weekend. He was six for 13, a couple of homers, four runs driven in, a double. Uh, Let's see, Uh, Zach DeZinzo, five runs, a home run, three runs driven in. Drew Record had a, a good day on Friday in particular. 
He was four for five with four RBI, four runs, two homers as Ohio State defeated Marshall 15 to four. Matt Wood for Penn State, the catcher. He's going to have a great season, I I think. Six for 10, six runs driven in, eight runs scored, eight runs scored, three homers, a couple of doubles. Who else you got, Drew? Uh, Keaton Anthony for Iowa had a good game, game two for the Hawkeyes. He was four for four, four runs scored, five RBI, a couple of home runs, a couple of doubles, so all four base hits for extra bases. Uh, Luke Jens- Jessen for <clears throat> excuse me, Nebraska was seven for 11 on the weekend, three runs scored. Anthony Calarco for Northwestern on the weekend, six for 15, seven RBI, three Ooh. runs, a couple of home runs. Uh, Richie uh, Shekofer. For Rutgers on the weekend, eight for 14, three runs scored, four RBIs and a double. In game two for the Scarlet Knights, he was five for six in that one game alone. Uh, Tony Santa Maria for Rutgers, five for 13, eight great, RBIs. I know. Great name. I know. Uh, four runs scored, four doubles uh, for Santa Maria. Uh-huh. Uh, what, me? Back, Back to you. To me. Is that what the the point meant? Uh, what else well, does the point mean? I I don't know, uh, but it just like ended suddenly. <laughs> uh, we're going with Wood. I mean, that's great number six four ten eight runs. How do you score eight runs in one weekend for one player? What? Uh, six runs driven in. He had three homers, couple of doubles. Matt Wood is our big bat for week one. Uh, big arm. Zip through a couple, and then I'll hit mine. When, I'll, got. when I'm done, I'll point to you. Okay. You go. Let's try uh, Cole uh, Kearsheiper for Illinois. Got the loss, but was very good. Seven innings, three hits, just a run, eight strikeouts. Uh, Reese Sharp in relief for IU was sharp. Three innings, <laughs> hit, two runs, and seven strikeouts. Adam Mazur for Iowa. Got the victory 12-2, went six innings, just a hit. A run, nine strikeouts, didn't walk anybody. Uh, you know, I said earlier the entire Hawkeye pitching staff could be on here. Marcus Morgan for Iowa, four innings, just a hit, no walks, six strikeouts, no runs. Connor Schultz for Iowa, four innings, a couple of hits, one run, nine strikeouts. And Brian Fitzpatrick for Rutgers had a no decision because he was on a pitch count but had a no-hitter, uh, pulled after 58 pitches with no hits, seven strikeouts, and a walk. You aren't allowed to call it a no oh, – thanks for the point. You aren't allowed to call it a no hitter when it's only four innings. It's like a rule. It's like a base. It's like an unwritten baseball rule. It's not an rule. unwritten rule. It is too. Six innings is the minimum. What do you call it? You just four say innings, didn't give hitless. up any hits. Yes, four innings hitless. Oh, come on. If you start, this is a rule. If you, it's a baseball rule. If you start the game, if you start the game, and you're on a pitch count, and you get pulled because of a pitch count, not because of walking guys. You threw a, you threw four innings of no hit baseball. That's a no hitter. No, you threw four innings with no hits. So I don't make up the unwritten rules. They're unwritten by somebody else. You gotta show me, show me where this unwritten rule is written. <laughs> uh, for Michigan, Jacob Denner, uh, six innings, four hits, a run, five strikeouts, couple of walks, in a victory against Kansas State. Maryland, uh, each one of Maryland's guys you can mention: Ryan Ramsey, six innings, couple of runs, three Ks. Jason Savakul, eight innings, three runs, only two of them earned. Six Ks, no walks, seven hits, in a victory. Uh, Nick Dean, seven innings, scoreless, four hits, a four-hitter, uh, eight strikeouts a walk as uh, the Terps shut out Baylor. Isaiah Coupet, Coupet, 
maybe. Uh, I should have looked that up. Six innings, three hits, a run. It was honored. 11 strikeouts. Ohio State defeated Marshall 15-4 to on Friday. It's Dean, though. I mean, you know, got Maryland off to such a great start in a 4 nothing win over Baylor on Friday. Seven innings, those four hits uh, scattered. No runs, the eight strikeouts. So Nick Dean is our big arm for week one. All right, uh, let's take a break. Brief one. It'll be like 10 seconds. We'll be back here. We'll talk to Greg Goff, the head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. That's coming up next on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. Let's bring in Purdue head coach Greg Goff to talk a little bit with us on the Big Baseball Podcast, a guy that uh, we're a little bit familiar with, spent the last few days uh, with him down there in Sugarland, Texas, um, and a-, a guy who makes me take BP, though I I did, Greg, find a way out of it. I just somehow disappeared right at the end of batting practice uh, leading into those openers against South Dakota State. I know, I know, Kyle. That was, that was a little disappointing. I was ready to see you stroke it like you did last year. So <laughs> we gotta get you, we gotta get you back off the DL and get, get you out on the field soon. I'm feeling a little bit better, so uh, maybe next time. I'm sure, the, I'm sure you will make the opportunity uh, present itself once again. Hey, no doubt. Uh, though, if you're superstitious, maybe you don't want me to take BP because I didn't this weekend, <laughs> and the Boilermakers go four and zero. Against the Jackrabbits, you you have to be excited about how your team played. I mean, it's a new look team. You've got a, a whole bunch of new faces out there. You've got some young pitching that came through and performed for you, and and the the bats came alive. I mean, forty runs in four games is you know no matter who the competition is, forty runs in four games is is a pretty good output. I would say you come away feeling pretty good about your team. I did, Kyle. You know, uh, we just got done with our coaching meeting here on Monday and kind of evaluation of the weekend and, and kind of what we want to do this week. And, um, you know, we all, we're very pleased, um, you know, with all aspects. I felt like, you know, our coaching staff that did a really good job with preparing our team. I mean, there were some, you know, you know, we won a, we won a one run game early mm-hmm. uh, this year. You know, we had, uh, some situations there yesterday. I, I just felt like our team, you know, rose to the occasion. I felt like our coaches did a great job of preparing them. And um, as you know, any time you go on the road, you haven't been outside, uh, and you get a sweep, it, it's a big deal. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, the, the game on Sunday, as Sunday games can be, got a little bit uh, a little bit ugly. But the baseball yeah. you guys played in the first three games, um, I, I think, was solid. I mean, in terms of uh, fundamentals and uh, right. doing the right things on defense and, and moving runners on, on offense and, and knocking them home when you had the opportunity to do so. And for a Northern team that had only been outside once here yeah. back home and then the three practices over two days down at Constellation Field, you had to be pretty happy with at least the, 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 the cleanliness of the baseball that you played in those first couple of days. I was. You know, I really was. And I think, you know, I'm so thankful that our administration allowed us to go down um, you know, a day early and, and get a chance to work out. You know, I think you saw it made a big difference uh, with our team compared to theirs a couple of times. Um, and I was just talking with our coach, you know, kind of uh, after, you know, before yesterday's game. And he said, you know what, I messed up because I should have brought my team down a day early just because, you know, it's just so difficult to, to be inside so much and yeah. you get a chance to come outside. And so I uh, just really, 
appreciate the grounds crew at Constellation Field and allowing us to get down there. They were awesome this weekend, and uh, I felt it made a big difference. Us getting down there and having three practices uh, before we opened up. So you've been a program builder at your previous stops, including Campbell, um, Louisiana Tech, you know, places yep. that that probably needed a, a little bit of a boost. Now the program here at Purdue was a little bit different. Mark Wasikowski had gotten the Boilermakers to. Uh, the NCAA tournament, um, but probably needed when you took over a little bit of an influx of of some some depth, some young talent too. Um, and then you know you come in at a time where the in the first year <laughs> the season gets canceled. I mean, who who expects such a thing? And then you know, 2021 is an odd season. Um, right. So do you feel like you've you've started to catch up a little bit? and what you've needed to do to get the program a little bit more in your vision? I have. You know, I feel really good about it. Um, you know, I mean, we, you know, my first year being with Mark and having a chance to go to a regional uh, was awesome, you know. But the year after, uh, his last year here, I think we ended up winning only 20, 21 games. Uh, we lost a lot of really good players from that team, <clears throat> you know, and I think some people may forget about that, but mm -hmm. you know, we, it was kind of a rebuild the next year because we had, you know, he had brought in so many young guys, um, you know, the Ryan Howes, the Evan Albrecht, um, you know, all those guys, you know, that class. And so, um, and then, and then, uh, you know, COVID hit, I mean, it's been two years since we were out on um, recruiting, you know, yeah. in person. And so uh, we do, it's been a, it's been fun. I love, um, the opportunity here at Purdue, I, I feel like at all the places I've been to, we have all the resources, the support from the administration. All those things are in place here, Kyle. And, I, and you can see, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to build those programs. The last three places I've been to, they all went to regionals this past year. Um, so, you know, we're in the right direction. We're moving in the right direction. I feel great about our coaching staff. And, um, you know, we're going to continue to move this thing forward. You know, I want to, you know, get to regionals on a daily, you know, on a yearly basis mm -hmm. uh, and have a chance to host uh, at Alexander Field and, and do those types of things. And I believe in my heart we can do all those things here at Purdue. What, in your experience, are some of the keys for building a program? Well, you got you got you to recruit. I mean, yeah. you know, let's be real. Um, it, you know, I'm the same coach that won 53 games one year as the same coach that won 25 games. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, all, hey, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's not about the X's and O's. In my, my view, it's about the Jimmys and Joes and, and um, you know, getting players to fit my system. Uh, you saw this weekend, I like to have, you know, a leadoff guy that can really run. Mm -hmm. um, Mike Bolton made a huge difference uh, this weekend, having a two guy that can be athletic like Curtis and do some things. And so, you know, it's just, you know, uh, Mark and I have been friends a long time, but him and I uh, come from two different parts of the country. And so uh, I like to hit the ball over the fence a little bit more and, and things like that. And he's more of a defensive oriented. So, you know, we're just trying to build towards being a little bit more offensive and uh, continue to build our pitching staff. Yeah, you do come from a different part of the country. Are you a northerner yet? Have you settled in? <laughs> I mean, well, I you... felt great this weekend when I was down in Texas. Oh, I bet, I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel like people were looking at me when I opened my mouth. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you know, along the lines of, of recruiting, in my memory at least, this is the first time Purdue has had an assistant coach with a designated title of recruiting coordinator. Now, clearly – uh, Purdue in the past has had assistant coaches whose main responsibilities or among their responsibilities are our lead recruiters. But Terry Rooney, you brought in, he has the title of assistant coach and recruiting coordinator. I think it, it says a little bit about, you know, the priority for you and going out there and, 
and really getting after it and trying to get uh, good players to come in here to West Lafayette. No doubt. And then, you know, when we, you know, it's been awesome. Every time we bring kids here, I mean, we have been very fortunate to, to get the kids that we, we wanted to be honest with you. And Terry, um, you know, I told our team yesterday, you know, having him here is just a phenomenal thing for me and this program and, and for our fans. Um, I mean, that guy's been to the College World Series. He's recruited and turned around programs, um, you know, like LSU and Notre Dame and, and got them to places. Um, it's unbelievable. So, you know, Terry is, is phenomenal. I mean, I, we're sitting in the airport last night, and I looked over at Chris, and I said, that guy recruits every day. I mean, ain't, you know, he, he's on the phone all the time recruiting and so forth. And I think as we build this program, you'll see exactly the type of players um, that he's bringing in here and so forth. And we're just – Really, really excited about um, you know the direction that we're going. Has, can you guys recruit normally again now? I mean, is everything yeah. back yep. to relative yep. like pre-COVID yeah. normal? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank goodness we're out and about. Uh, March first is, is uh, our first opportunity to get back on the road, and so uh, you you will see him uh, probably gone a little bit more during during the games and stuff, uh, just because he's out recruiting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's a it's a an interesting and um well a little bit of a, a different approach, right? I mean that's that's fair that's to right. say, isn't that's it? Right. And um, you know, in trying to sort of uh go out there and, and, and spend every moment uh trying to improve your roster. No doubt. I mean, you know, I mean it doesn't you know, you look at our basketball team, I think it's a perfect example of our football yeah. team this past year. I mean, they had really good players. Mm-hmm. Um, they have really good coaches, but I mean, you know, you watch our, our basketball team play. I mean, I don't think there's many teams that they play against that don't have better play, you know, that has better players than right. them. You know, I mean, it's about, you know, I tell our players all the time, you know, players wins championships, coaches don't. We can put them in the right spot and we coach them up. And I felt like we were well prepared this weekend, but the players, are the ones that make the pitches and hit the balls and, and catch the balls. And, and I'm a big believer in that. I, you know, I give all the credit to the players. Yeah. What does the transfer portal do? to college baseball? Well, you know, you can look at it one of two ways. It can be a positive <laughs> or a negative, you know. And, yeah. um, you know, I was very pleased last year that not one guy came in my office and wanted to transfer. I think we're doing things right here. Um, but, you know, we went out and found a couple of guys um, that uh, have been very, you know, very good for us. You know, Fiola this weekend looked like Brooks Robinson over there at third base. Yeah, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, unbelievable at third. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so him and Sam Franco and, and Paul Tate, I mean, you know, Paul Tates is a guy that played in our league yeah. and um, and got into the transfer portal. And, and, you know, he's here now. And, I mean, he's hitting three-hole for us and playing in the middle of the infield. So, you know, we're going to use it as a resource. If, you know, when we need to, we don't want to make a living doing it and bringing eight or ten guys in. But if we need a hole to fill, we lose a guy to the draft and, and things of that nature, you've got to go into the portal and you got to find some guys with experience. Baseball recruiting, in my opinion – and I have no experience doing it other than just watching it, had to be a little bit of a nightmare even before the portal, right? I mean, with trying to, you know, thousands of high school kids and then, you know, the, the best ones potentially are going to get drafted and, right. and the best ones you're potentially, you know, offering the most money to and, you know, partial scholarships and, and all of that. And now you throw in a, a whole nother element. You have to try to balance sort of, as you said, right, between – you know, wanting to recruit high school kids, but also knowing that you need to supplement your roster with guys that might be a little bit older. That's right. I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, and, and recruiting never stops. You know, it, it's it's every day. 
it's every day. And, um, you know, we got some great guys at Terry and Chris that do it. And, and I'm so fortunate to have those guys here on my staff and, and do what they do. I mean, it's a, it's a tireless job. I mean, it, them guys, you know, are on the road, you know, all the time in the summer and, and so forth. And, you know, it has to be the right fit for, for, for Purdue, you know, and, and for our program. I mean, I, I'm, I'm proud to say not everybody can play for us. I mean, we have a, you know, we have an expectation here. We want guys to come in here and get a great degree from Purdue. We want guys to have a dream to, to play uh, professional baseball. And we have a, you know, we want guys to get their degrees. And so those things are, you know, you got to find the right fit for sure. Let's talk a little bit about your team uh, this year. We're with uh, Greg Goff, the head coach of the Boilermakers on the Big Baseball Podcast. Um, you know, it was always my contention last year that if you would have flipped the schedule upside down, that maybe you guys win five or six more games than you did. I don't know if you win a ton more games, but you get right. off to a little bit of a better start. It, it makes the team feel a little bit better about itself. Um, no doubt. But you, you know, you, you come off that season and you know you've brought in a, a, a lot of new pieces. You have some. I think we saw it this weekend. You have some good young, talented uh, arms. In particular, yeah. guys like yeah. Troy Wansing, who 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 started a game. C.J. Backer, who I think was great. Yeah. I loved how fast he pitched. For one thing, like yeah. there's no waste yeah. any time. Well, you've got a <laughs> few of those. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, it's good for me. Uh, I like games that move along, especially when I'm solo up there. Yeah. Uh, but you've got some good young arms in the program right now. It seems like, and maybe they need a little bit of a development. But uh, yep. but certainly, right. there's there's a few guys out there that it seems like you'll be able to rely on. Uh, come weekends in the Big Ten, no doubt. You know, and that's the, the the huge thing from last year. This year, I mean, you think about us playing Nebraska the first weekend and having to throw those guys in the fire. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a you know you need to be able to bring your young guys along, like throwing Troy Wansing and giving him a start, letting him throw three innings, and you know that's how you build confidence and build these players up and, and things like that. And that's the number one thing for me. I want these guys to be put in a good situation and you know playing those preseason games. It's huge. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad that we're normal and, and uh, we're, you know, allowed to, to be able to do that like everybody else in the country uh, as far as playing those games early. Yeah. Yeah, it does help. I mean, I, I said that on the air this weekend is that, yeah. you know, these were opportunities, especially when you guys had some big leads. Yeah. These were opportunities that you just did not have last year to be able to throw right. uh, young pitchers out. There were no non-conference <laughs> games, no midweek games. Um, right. <laughs> you know, even if you led games big in the Big Ten, you still had to be a little bit concerned about, yeah. you know, a team coming back on you because they're perfectly capable right. of doing. Um, but but this weekend and other weekends, I would imagine, this year in the non-conference will provide you and the midweek games provide you a little bit of opportunity to to throw these guys out there and see what they got. That's right. I mean, it's huge. It's huge to have that opportunity to give Carter going. He threw, he threw two innings this weekend. I mean, he would have never done that. He would never even, he probably would have never done that last year. Yeah. Um, you know, as a freshman and so forth. I mean, look at Griffin Loman. He threw one inning last year because we got some guys hurt on a weekend series and uh, couldn't hardly get a guy out. And look at this year. You know, yeah. he gets a chance to get out there and get to save and throw. I mean, you know, Kyle, you just can't uh, put a price tag on the experience part of it and, and giving these guys a chance to be able to get ready for conference play. Yeah. We mentioned a little bit of your lineup earlier, Mike Bolton at the top of things, Curtis Washington. I heard is now is this a real nickname, Lightning and Lightning? Is that is that an actual? I heard somebody. I think John Media called him that briefly, and I I don't know if that's something that has has stuck or not. Do you do you oh, like that's it? Awesome. Well, I love it. I love it. I think those guys are are, are just awesome to watch. And um, you know, Michael again. I 
you know, I've told his story a number of times. You know, I just can't be as proud of a, of, of a guy that him – just because he's been here for three years, he didn't play a lot his first year. He could have left and went to the transfer portal, uh, and he didn't. You know, and last year, you know, he de-aged. I mean, you know, he was behind Skylar Hunter and Ben Nissel and those guys. And so, you know, for him to stay here and to, uh, you know, kind of ride the ship and, and so forth, it's just awesome to see him having the success he's having. You should mention Paul Tates, too, came over from Indiana. He, to me, feels like a professional a little bit just in yeah. his approach to things. I mean, he's a good defensive player and sort of a, a professional hitter, right? I mean, he takes the right approach, it just seems like, as a plate, and really had a, a very productive uh, weekend. Showed a little bit of power, too, which he hadn't yeah. shown last year as a freshman. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's a he's a good player. Yeah, he's a great player. Um, he, he's awesome to coach. He's fit in so well with our guys. And, um, you know, just like yesterday when, when things – um, kind of were getting out of uh, context a little bit. We'd, we'd walk some people and so forth. They had scored those four runs. Hey, Paul Tate is the one getting them up in the dugout, yeah. you know, and saying, hey, let's go. I mean, the guy's a winner. And uh, we're just very blessed to have that guy on our team. Yeah, no doubt about that. So uh, last night when we got home in the middle of the night, uh, I didn't notice the video board. But Alexander Field's going to have a gigantic video board now this season as well. Just how excited are you for some of the improvements there? Uh, and what sort of that board will mean uh, for the home experience that is already pretty good at Alexander. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I think we got one of the best facilities in the country, Kyle. And now that you put the video board and, um, you know, thank you for, you know, the alumni and, and JPC for, for doing that. I mean, it's it was, um, you know, basically funds that were raised outside the university. And so, um, you know, again, another opportunity for the fan experience. Uh, to bring recruits in and, and be able to do that is, is unbelievable. And um, I, I'm just so excited to see it up. Yeah. Yeah, so am I. I mean, it'll be great. It'll add a lot. It'll to, be great. Uh, it's, it's huge. I mean, it makes our hitter's eye in center field uh, small. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it, like, not in the middle of the night uh, when it's dark yeah. and when we can actually take <laughs> a look at morning. it. Yeah. Hey, uh, Greg, appreciate the time. Um, as always, best of luck uh, this coming week. I know you're spending a lot of time there in North Carolina. Uh, best of luck on that uh, road trip. I wish I was with you, but a little long for me at this current point, staying yeah. away from home. I don't yeah. I don't know well, what I would better... come back to if I, if I took off for a week and a half. <laughs> well, you better uh, take care of those kids today and give your wife a break after being gone for a while. But we, we love having you, and uh, you made the trip. Uh, that much more enjoyable, and uh, if we lose this weekend, it'll be your fault. I'm yeah. going to blame you for it because you're not there. You know I'm superstitious. Yeah, next time you get me in the cage, you'll throw it at me. Uh, I know how that works. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. That's All right. awesome. Uh, Greg, have a great day. Yeah, My you pleasure. too. Appreciate the time. That's uh, Greg Goff, uh, the head coach of the Boilermakers, joining us on the Big Baseball Podcast. We'll take a break. We'll come up here in just a moment with the weekend rotation that's next. <laughs> Thanks again to new coach Greg Goff for coming on the Big Baseball Podcast. Drew, let's hit our weekend rotation, the three things we will be talking about as we head into the weekend. Number one is Nebraska, the league favorite, loses three of four against Sam Houston. Man, when you look at the Cornhuskers, Drew, we had some questions about what the starting pitching would be like, and we continue to have questions. We probably have more questions because it just really wasn't good. The totals for the weekend against the Fighting Sam Houston's four games. This is a total over four games of 10 and a third innings. 19 hits, 
14 earned runs. The group walked eight and struck out 10. It's just, you know, yeah. it's not good enough to win baseball games. No matter what your offense does, that's, that's struggling. And their offense didn't do a whole lot either. They hit 271 as a team, and that's with Luke Jessen hitting like 650 on the weekend, 7 for 11. They didn't hit any home runs. Yeah. Um, but, it, I mean, you, you know, you week look at one. this and, and the, the week one theme here, what does it mean? Does it mean anything? It means something to Nebraska because they would like to get a hot start. Yeah. But it's a long season. They've got mm-hmm. plenty of time to turn it around, and it's Nebraska. I think they will. They do have another tough test coming up here this weekend against TCU, who's ranked. They won the Big 12 last year. But, you know, win one or two against a ranked team, TCU, and and get yourself right back in this. Uh, topic number two, overall a good weekend for the Big 10, I think. I mean, you look at a couple of the favorites in, in Nebraska, as we mentioned, in Michigan, who struggles a little bit, though, against pretty good competition. Yeah. Uh, and you assume that both of those two teams will be fine in the long run. But overall, we had a lot of questions about what the Big Ten would be, and it seems like, you know, through through the week one, um, it seemed like it was pretty good. Yeah, half the league won their weekend, uh, and that does not include Nebraska or Michigan, who, you know, you figured would be two teams that would, that would win their weekend. Uh, pitching was a huge question mark for me coming in with all these teams with just completely new rotations. Yeah. And I think overall the pitching in the Big Ten was solid. There were a ton of good outings. Yeah, uh, by all three starters on on some teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think overall, there you know, it's it's definitely way more good than 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 bad here this first weekend. For that's the Big part 10. of not to get into this too deep, but that's part of what last year created was a situation where we didn't know yeah. any of these guys because none of them got an opportunity to pitch in the middle of the week or against right. non conference opponents. So we knew a lot of these starters from the year before, and a lot of these teams had other guys that were just that, sitting around. Or, oh yeah, pitching in the pen, and yeah. you know, this we're waiting their turn, and now yeah. they're getting their turn, and they, they are they are quality guys. We just didn't see them maybe like we would before. All right, topic number three, as it is every week. What are you watching this weekend? I will not be on the trip to North Carolina with Purdue. I have uh, two little kids at home, and I they're leaving for the whole like the whole shebang. They will be there for nine straight games. Whew. You know, the next this is crazy. The next Purdue game I will call will be after that trip. Purdue's playing at home. I know on March eleventh. Oh, boy. That's crazy. If they're playing today, that'd be fine. It's like 55 degrees outside today. Uh, so I will be watching uh, Maryland at Campbell. I mean, uh, Campbell's a good mid-major program, and the terms with the start that they got off to this last weekend, you sort of want to see them validate the three games against Baylor by playing three yeah. games against another quality opponent. Yeah, I'll go uh, uh, down to Texas and stick with uh, Nebraska here as our weekend rotation theme. I, I think Nebraska needs to needs to get get this started, mm-hmm. and they've got a really good opportunity against a, a really good Texas Christian team, and hopefully they can come away with a victory or two. Yeah. All right, sounds good. Uh, that'll be the podcast for this week. Uh, we do appreciate you listening. Tell your friends about us if you like uh, Big Ten baseball. All right, uh, that'll do it. Thanks to uh, – Greg Goff and JoJo Siwa. For Drew Charters, I'm Kyle Charters. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017, The Hammer. You're out!